This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick. And of course, Mondays mean E.J. Raddick, voice of the Stadium Series internationally. And of course, our friend every Monday from NHL Network. How are you, sir? I'm good. Well, I'm really good because I got to see you in person at the uh, Stadium Series. On that Monday. was terrific. So we had a chance to catch up. That was nice. You know, uh, good to see a lot of people. That's why, you know, it's a great event. You got you got people from all, you know, different uh, parts of the hockey media in the New York area in one place. And, uh, you know, they got really good fortune with the weather for both games. And it uh, seems like the fans were really excited. And uh, I think it went off, you know, probably as, probably even better than they could have imagined. You know, there's always things you worry about. I think in the run-up, there was concerns about, hey, we're trying to sell this place out two nights in a row with, you know, four different teams. And, uh, you know, in the end, I thought it was a great weekend for hockey. It was perfectly timed, right? The Super Bowl was gone, and uh, we're in this little void for the sports fan. The NBA All-Star Game was going on, which apparently was some sort of disaster. So that's another story for another podcast. And, um you know, but at the end of the day, it's that good window. That's why I'm really excited about the future moving forward with the, uh, you know, the four nations face-off uh, next February and then the Olympics in 2026 because I think it's a great time for hockey. You know, in this window in the sports calendar when there's there's openings and it's um, it's cold, it's hockey season. I think uh, you know it bodes well. So it was a good weekend, oh. and uh, you know, Ranger fans and Devil fans. Have to be thrilled because both of their teams played very well. At least the Devils fans, uh, they got to be thrilled because they got a very clean victory. And the Ranger fans should be thrilled because they got kind of a, somebody, I think it was the post, a miracle on turf. I thought it was apropos for what happened because that was a crazy finish for the Rangers. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, the, the thing about it, and I, I had a chance to talk to Gary on the Michael K. Show, Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, and I had him on in the pregame too about just not wanting to overdo it you know like that that's the challenge right you have these stadium series games you don't want it to come at the expense of the winter classic but if you strategically find the right places uh then it could work and it, it really did work very well even the daytona 500 got rained out so there wasn't a lot going on so we'll see what the rating ended up being but for me, as a hockey fan in the tri-state area, I don't think it gets any better than what this weekend was. Even if a team wins a Stanley Cup, all the other ones don't win. You know, it's probably the greatest yeah. moment in New York hockey history to be able to have those three teams on display. 150,000 people gathered. Uh, great games. Even the Islanders who lost and blew a lead still earned a point and I think represented themselves well from a fan base. Uh, I thought they were... They packed that stadium. It was a home game for the Islanders, so they were able to get first dibs on the tickets. So the crowd was really energized, and I think everybody came away feeling just really, really good about the sport and where it is right now. Yeah, I would agree. And and the other thing, too, I would say is that, you know, with the games being ABC ESPN games, I mean, Saturday, the ES, you know, ABC had a triple header of hockey games on Saturday afternoon. I mean, from 1230 into three o'clock. We had Boston and LA, which was a great game, went to overtime. Uh, you know, Clark scored the, the overtime first goal ever in overtime. What a way to finish that one. You had another overtime game with Dallas and Edmonton, Connor McDavid and uh, you know, that group. So that was a terrific game. And then, you know, you had the Devils and Flyers. Um, you know, so you had hockey on A B C literally, I mean almost for twelve continuous hours. You had a break in there between like six and 
and 7.30 or so right. when they did the run-up for the game on Saturday night. And then you had it on Sunday afternoon as well. I mean, I, I don't know what else you could ask for. I mean, that's great exposure for the game, great environment. The games went off well. The weather was good. I mean, people love, people loved it so much. I see people on Twitter calling for it to be an annual event now. And That's like, right. The only, the only thing I laugh about with that is this, is the same people that are calling for it to be an annual event now when next year and the year after the games aren't as good, the weather doesn't work out, will be the one same one, the same one saying, you know, it's probably too much. We, you know, maybe every once in a while. So like, there's excitement in the air for it. It's a huge undertaking. It costs a lot to do. I'm not saying we shouldn't see it again at some point, but I think to do it annually for me, I think that's a big stretch, especially when we have other well, events going on all the time. Yeah, for it, listen, I wouldn't do uh, two like they did this weekend, but if you wanted to have a rotation of Rangers Islanders, Rangers Devils, and something like that, different venues. I will say this, though, having done five of these from ice level Show off. for the Rangers, and uh, so Citizens Bank, uh, City Field, Yankee Stadium, and now MetLife, the football stadiums work much better. I, I really felt like, yeah. even though the fans are very far away from the ice, symmetrically, it feels like an arena, and it, ju- I just really felt like it. When in the baseball stadiums, to me, it's just too much empty space, and it just doesn't feel right. This felt right. This, I think, football stadiums work much, much better. Agreed. Agreed. Now, remember, there was some idiot on this podcast last week that said maybe we have too many outdoor games, and now I'm all in on <laughs> yeah. the bean. Pot. I'm all in on the bean pot, bean pot style idea, EJ. But I think the thing yeah. that I agree with you in where it would get watered down is if it's the same four teams. I mean, there are plenty of areas, rivalries in this league. If we were to do this, and we already have stadium series games, I don't see them going away. Where you yeah, could have no, the Cal- like the West Coast California teams fighting each other. I'm sure you could find a way to have two yeah. teams along with the Red Wings and the Blackhawks face off uh, for for two days out of a week in Chicago or in Detroit. Or you do something up where they have the Heritage Classic up in Canada. But if you get four of the teams together, the Battle of Alberta being yeah. one of the games every year or the year that they choose to do it, I think it could be fun. I don't know if the if the NHL has an appetite to get three games in in a weekend. Uh, obviously, you have to have either a split gate or just a combined gate for those first two games on the Saturday, and then the Sunday is another one entirely. Um, but it would be interesting. And again, you you were right, kind of prisoner of the moment, because I was the one rolling my eyes last week. Um, it definitely was fun, though, and it's nice when this does work out. But as you've said, um, and Laviolette mentioned the fact that he was in the one in uh, in Carolina last year, and they thought they did a great job. It, when it works out, it's great. When it doesn't, it's not so great. But uh, I, I, Don, yeah. Don was right. It was a great. I think it was a great weekend for hockey in this town and just in general yeah. for the NHL. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know what Peter talking about that. You know, and I mentioned it as well. I was in Carolina last year. I did think they did a great job in Carolina last year. So um, I, I think, as I said last week, in the market in which these games will get played. And, and we saw it here. We saw it here. I mean, people get excited about them. They're different. They're cha- Just like for the players and the coaches, it's a change in the schedule. It's a change for the fans. And I think, again, it's a great time of year to do it. And in February when you know the NFL season is over and uh, people are looking for things to, to watch, it's cold and large swaths of this country where people are maybe going to be 
staying in and cuddling in on their couch on an, uh, you know, on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, as opposed to, you know, being out braving the elements. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, it's still, a, it's still a novelty that works in the, in the, in the particular markets that it's in. Like I said, I don't know if it's a huge ratings driver nationally, but uh, I do think that it's a, it's a big deal for hockey. It was a good idea when they started doing them. It's been a good idea the whole time. I think the, the you know we've always looked for the balance, and I think they've got, they've struck a pretty good balance. Now you play the Heritage Classic in the fall, you play the Winter Classic on January first, December thirty first, January second, depending upon how things fall for a number of reasons. I think they're moving that game to December thirty first, by the way, as an as an evening game. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I think that's what's happening. And then. Um, and then a stadium series game of sorts, uh, you know, in, in the winter in February in this window. So I think they've found a nice balance. We'll see what they come up with moving forward. They got a lot of events on the table. When you think about, like I said, you know, we're going to be looking at that four nations, uh, face off next February. And then the following February, we got the Olympics. So we'll have a lot of best on best hockey, which is great. Now, next year's stadium series will be at the Horseshoe, Ohio State, Columbus versus Detroit. So after that game, a little trivia for you. Who will be okay. the last two teams in the NHL not to play outdoors? Uh, the Florida Panthers and Arizona Coyotes. There you go. I only had one of them. I only had Arizona in my head. Now, yeah. I, I don't want to violate any trusts, but okay. talking to some people around the NHL, both are doable. And obviously, Arizona's got to get their situation straightened out. But I was talking to somebody Why? What's at the going NHL. On? That you know, I, Arizona is actually perfect for an outdoor game, and there is an avenue for the Panthers to get one. So uh, I think that I don't know if it's going to be in the immediate future, but it's not impossible. First of all, once the Arizona thing gets straightened out, or if they move, and it's not going to matter. But I think Florida can have an avenue, and the way things are going right now with that team, I mean, you could probably have a Panther Bruin outdoor game, and people would care. I mean, this Panther team. Uh, is Anthony called it, thinks they're going to win the President's Trophy. I think he's on to something. This team is healthy. This team is just uh, incredible right now, putting up a nine spot the other night against Tampa. So, um, yeah. you know, the Florida Panthers uh, and the Boston Bruins could end up being quite the rivalry uh, if things continue going the way they're going right now. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, a couple things. First of all, I mean, the Coyotes can have an outdoor game. Maybe they could play it in Salt Lake City, just as an example. That's one place where you could play an outdoor <laughs> game. Um, let's, uh, you know, and then for an outdoor game in Florida, how about Tampa and Florida? Yeah, I think we're and trying too hard if we don't think any past that. Like, just just put the two Florida teams yeah, together. Put them yeah. in a pool. Well, I mean, they got a great rivalry. I mean, it was a nasty game the other day with the 9-2 loss for Tampa. But, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning have been you know, a marquee franchise here in this league, and they have quite a fan base, and, you know, the Florida Panthers, and you could you could figure that out. I mean, I think that would be, uh, if you know, if you're able to do that, I think that would be a lot of fun to have that uh, take place. I mean, you have the world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville, right, when the Georgia Bulldogs and Florida Gators get to play college football. Mm. Maybe you do something similar, well, uh, you know, in, in hockey. I mean, I think that that football stadium in Jacksonville is not a huge stadium, but it might be a perfect setting for an outdoor game where fans from both places would come to that, come to Jacksonville. But at any rate, I, I think there's a lot of possibilities. And to the, the Florida Panthers, I said it last week, I've been saying it for a while. The Florida Panthers, to me, are the best team in the East. I think the East is kind of wide open. But I think the Florida Panthers, when they're healthy and if they're healthy come playoff time, 
boy, I wouldn't want to play well, him. I think that I think they're the best team in the East. Well, just just a just a little tidbit, just just to file it away, just yeah. in case it were to happen. All right, file it away. Go I on the binder. You know there is an appetite to have an outdoor game at Mikey Stadium at West Point. Mm-hmm. And the owner of the Florida Panthers, Vincent James yeah. Viola, military guy. Yeah. Wow! Rangers, yeah. Panthers, Mikey Stadium. Just throwing it out there. I, 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 I just, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how uh, how Bill Foley would feel about that with his Vegas Golden Knights because he's got some ties. That's hey, yeah, listen. The, that's also uh, that that has uh, been mentioned as well. So. So, you know, anyway, I mean, I don't know how many fans would care, (laughs) but, you know, (laughs) but I'm just saying you you can make it, you you never know, you make it into something. But when you get to this point, but the reason I bring it up, when you get to this point where you've added the stadium series, it it does, you, you want to make sure that everyone has gotten involved. And if, and after next year, when 30 of the 32 teams have played outdoors, you want to try to make, you know, something happened with the two uh, that haven't. Uh, just getting back to the actual the time play. Is right. the, the time is right. The time is right for Florida, though, to your point. And one right. other thing I didn't want to skip over before we move on, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'm really excited for them having the outdoor game in the horseshoe. I think uh, Red Wings, Blue Jackets, Michigan, Ohio State, I mean, I just think there's it's a rich texture, right, Yes. for – for an outdoor game, Columbus is going to be have they're going to have new leadership next year. They've got a lot of good young players there. I I'm I'm bullish on the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think it's just a matter of getting, you know, getting that leadership straightened mm-hmm. out, getting kind of a fresh start next year. I mean, and and moving forward. So I'm really happy for that organization and uh, you know for them having uh, that outdoor game at the, at the Horseshoe. Now, wipe away all the pomp and circumstance of yesterday, which was thrilling. There was an actual game being played, and that's a tough loss for the Islanders. Yeah. And, and and listen, for most of the game, they, they were way better than the Rangers. I thought they had great jump. They were all over the blue shirts. And, you know, if things had turned out differently, you could really start to have a conversation about maybe Shesterkin or Sorokin being in Shesterkin's head because head-to-head, the Islanders yeah. have really owned the Rangers and that goalie matchup for sure. But at the end of the day, I know it's going to take Patrick Wall a little bit of while, but this this penalty kill is going to kill him. Uh, this is the worst penalty kill in the league by far, and that was the difference in the yeah. game. I mean, the Rangers came in one for their last 21 on the power play. They scored three times on the power play. You're not going to the yeah. playoffs with a power play that's clicking, a uh, penalty kill that's clicking at 70%. Or, or less. I mean, in their last, I don't have my, my sheet in front of me from yesterday, my notes, but uh, coming into yesterday's game, I think the number was they had they were at fifty seven percent in their last eight games, oh. eleven of nineteen. So they had given up eight power play goals and nineteen attempts in their last eight games, right? And then yesterday they gave up the three power play goals. Now two of them were six on four, right, or five on three. I mean, I forget exactly the the number of players that were on the ice because of the penalties, but there were two man advantage for both of those goals, if I'm not mistaken. So that's helpful. I mean, that, that's it's hard to you know to criticize when there's two extra guys on the ice. But the bottom line is, you're 100 percent right. They have to be better on the penalty kill. It was a game that they had to win. They were killing on faceoffs throughout most of the game. Uh, they had a lot of opportunities. They played with a lot of jump. They were the better the better team for most of the game. They they went back kind of into a one four and. You know, they were doing all the right things, and they took some penalties, and the Rangers made them pay for it. And then in overtime, Miller Dobson just made a really soft play at the wrong time, and it 
it led to a goal. So, uh, you know, Patrick Waugh afterwards, I thought he handled it really well. He said as a coach, he goes, I was really felt good about a lot of the things in the game. And, uh, you know, obviously he knows he's got to fix that penalty killing unit. But, um, you know, it's a, a, it, to me, boy, that's a tough loss for a team that has had a number of tough losses this year. They, I think that was their 20th overtime game. They've had a number of blown leads throughout the season. And, you know, this is something that Patrick Waugh is going to have to fix. You just cannot mm. continue to blow leads and lose points and end up in overtime. And, you know, that was – you know, they've had a number of games this year, John. If they end up missing the playoffs by a point or two or three, which is very, very possible, uh, they won't have just this game to look back at with uh, regret. They will have a number of games to look back with regret. So uh, – they got Pittsburgh coming in tomorrow, and they just got to get focused on moving forward. But uh, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't certainly was never the way you want to lose. And give the Rangers credit for for hanging in there and and finding a way. And you're at your point about Shesterkin. I thought we mentioned it on our broadcast. It got lost a little bit, I think, in the crazy finish. Shesterkin found his way in that game. Yep about midway through, and made a number of good stops to keep the game at four. And remember, after the honors legal, they didn't give up another goal. So I give Shesterkin credit for kind of hanging in there in the game because I thought he might, I thought one more and he might get pulled. And he ended up, uh, you know, kind of settling in and finding his way and was really uh, an important factor in, in the game turning out the way it did. Uh, something that kind of, in my mind, uh, was kind of swept under the rug just given the uh, occurrences in New Jersey was the fact that Yarmir Yager was honored in Pittsburgh yesterday, yeah, EJ. Yeah. Uh, the mullets, he's yeah. going out there skating with everybody and, and everything like that. And uh, unfortunately for the Penguins, they lose a, a tough game to the Kings, giving up a shorthanded goal um, to lose 2-1. to one. Um, But I'm just thinking back. Now, I was 10 years old when Yager scored 54 goals for the Rangers, had 123 points. I didn't, I didn't get to see... The culmin like a lot of his. I can't say I haven't gotten to see a lot of his career. That's probably the midway point of his career now because he's what forty something yeah. and still playing in the Czech league. But fifty, yeah, yeah. right? He's fifty two now. Yeah. Wow. Oh my god. He's, good, yeah. It's unbelievable. But where do you where do you have him ranking all time? I know this is a loaded question, and we don't have we only have so much time. Yeah. But to you, where does he rank all time amongst NHL greats? He's among the handful of top players in the top ten. Certainly, I mean, when you start to try to go through the top five, like for me, you know, uh, I've said the top five for me is it's, it's Gretzky, Howe, or and there's Lemieux, and then Crosby. Those are my five uh, based on everything they've done. I mean, there's a lot of room for discussion and argument with a lot of great players. But, yeah, so, yeah, Gretzky, Lemieux, or Howe, Crosby would be my five. I mean, let's face it, McDavid is going to be moving up that ladder as his career continues to advance. But I think Yager, when you think about Yager, the numbers he put up were special, but he left for the KHL and played like two or three or four years in the KHL, kind of in, in his, when, in a, not too long after, Anthony, he had that 54-goal season for the Rangers, and I do think he should have won the Hart Trophy that year. Yeah with 123.54 goals. I mean, Joe Thornton ended up getting it. That was the year Joe Thornton got traded from Boston to San Jose. He had a really good year, but he was more, mostly driven by assists, which nothing wrong with that. He was, a, he was one of the greatest playmakers after Gretzky probably we've ever seen. But 
you know, to score 54 goals and, and to carry a team that many thought that season the Rangers were going to be dead last in the NHL. They had come off seven straight years of missing the playoffs, and he ended up uh, scoring the 54 goals, and the Rangers went on to make the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's one of the, the top players. And it's really unfortunate that the timing, I mean, you know, a lot of, it was a lot of great things that came out of the, the weekend for the NHL. But the timing of that ceremony in Pittsburgh going on really while the stadium series game was finishing in that kind of wild finish, it's unfortunate that the timing wasn't better and they couldn't have done it on a day where it could have been like a kind of a standalone yeah. event because uh, he is a special player, a special athlete, and uh, his connection to Pittsburgh is a fence that was nice to see that mended and to see – Yager with Mario together was great to see Yager. He took he practiced with the Penguins. I think he took the pregame skate. Yeah, right. It around. That was cool. I, mean, I, I just thought it was. I mean, we don't see that all the time, right, Donnie? I mean, that's something very unusual when they have retired number ceremony. You don't see the player practice with the team and then go out and skate from the pregame skate. So it was kind of a, it was really a special night. And it's a little unfortunate the timing, yeah. and hopefully. Hockey fans can catch up with that. We have so many avenues now to see things. Hopefully, people can go and find the video and watch some of that. The only team that I uh, that I remember doing that is Edmonton. I remember Grant Fuhr was in pads and his, and everything during his yeah. ceremony, but yet you yeah. don't see it all that often. A couple of things before we get at a dodge here. That's a big boy win for Winnipeg on Saturday night in Vancouver. And you look at that central division, uh, I don't know what's going on with the Avalanche. They better be careful, otherwise their first-round matchup is going to be on the road. You know, Dallas is yeah. is really playing terrific. Maybe the best team in the National Hockey League right now, along with Vancouver. But that was a big boy win for Winnipeg. Yeah, it really was. And the Winnipeg Jets have a good team. I mean, they got good goaltending. They they have a, a strong group of forwards. They have good depth. They got good size. They're they're pretty good on defense as well. They've kind of helped. They've kind of knitted that defense together after you know several years ago when they had a bigger group with Buffalo and Truba and those guys and those guys all departed. And now they've had to kind of you know kind of remake that D. And it's been it's been pretty good. So uh, yeah, it's been a really really good year for Winnipeg and the thing with the Jets is just the belief that they have within themselves that they believe they're as good as you know what we see from they can do on paper um, you know they have they have a lot of talented players there. they've had a lot of talented players there for a while so um, that was a big win and you know like I'm watching Vancouver this year and they've had such a wonderful season and they're just rolling along and I mean that's a tough loss the other night but um, you know, I just wonder, are they this year's Bruins? Are they a team that has kind of gone through the yeah. regular season with very little, very few bumps in the road? And when the playoffs come, are they going to be able to, you know, have the same, you know, to have this, uh, you know, are going to have that same kind of play going forward? We'll see. I mean, they got a great goalie in Demko. They, they've, you know, Quinn Hughes leads, a, you know, a defense that's way, way better than it was last year. Um, their forwards are playing well. Uh, they've got good depth throughout their group. Who knows if they've got another move or two in mind before the trade deadline. So, uh, you know, it's, that's going to be – I mean, I'll tell you what, that Western Conference is going to be a bear in the playoffs. Oh, I know. It's it's better you know, than the East. It, the better teams are in the West. It, it, well, I would say, I mean, six teams solid. Those three teams that are at the top of each division, you know, Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg, and then Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton, I mean – uh, boy, it's, uh, those two, those two three matchups are going to be are going to be nothing to sneeze at. I mean, it, right now, if you look at Vegas and at Edmonton, if they were to be a first round matchup, boy, oh boy, that would be uh, you know, I mean, that's as 
that would be a heck of a matchup, and one of those teams would have to go home after the first round. I mean, that's tough. And the same in the mm. Central, as you mentioned. I mean, you know, Colorado was having a struggle lately, but, uh, you know, we, I think we all still think Colorado's got a pretty strong team, and there's always the possibility that they get Gabriel Landeskog back late in the season or in the playoffs, um, which would make them even a tougher team to deal with. So good luck in the West. That's not going to be easy uh Easy sledding, and that's the beauty for for the teams in the East. If you know whoever finds their way through to the end, they might be dealing with a very beat up group in the final. EJ, always a pleasure. It was great seeing you the other day. We actually embraced Anthony, yeah. and Dave Maloney said, "Get yeah. a room." And you know what? We thought about it. That's fair. Yeah, we thought, about it. Not- we thought about it. <laughs> I, I I was already on my Marriott app. Look, right. So, and, but uh, we unfortunately you know, had a game to call. So. <laughs> all right buddy i'll talk to you on monday all right all right you got it my friend see you anthony have a good week be good ej all right that's the great uh ej raddick you watch him on the nhl network and uh you know we get we usually go over the schedule at this point anthony but there's too a lot many of these games. games yeah there's so many games I mean, right now we're recording this it's 12 37 the 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 uh uh, the Buffalo Saber game is already underway. Buffalo, uh, the Sabers, and the Ducks are already just faced off. So a lot of people will be listening to this, and a lot of the games will be over by now. But a ton of afternoon games here on President's Day. Also, want to give a little love to the Devils too. Their win on Saturday, we oh, yeah. pretty Ranger Islander heavy, but that was a big boy win for them as well. So you know, Phil- Philadelphia is kind of an up and down. They win five in a row. They 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 lose four in a row. Kind of back and forth. But you know, right now New Jersey sits two points back at Detroit. And maybe the best path could be the five points they're back of Philadelphia for third place in the Metropolitan Division. But that was a good win for New Jersey. Great atmosphere. If you're somebody from New Jersey like me, I thought the broadcast really celebrated the state well. Uh, a lot of Devil fans turned out. Not enough Obviously, Tommy DeVito ha- for me. Uh, well, that, that, that's yeah, you're right. I was they that was kind of misplaced. I, I thought that was silly, but I give them the, credit. Look, I mean, look, they they really tied in the Giants and the Jets to it, and and I think that that's important. Uh, Saquon Barkley seemed to enjoy himself. He seems yeah. to be a hockey. Damian Woody did a great job. Damian, Woody's I know you been, didn't uh, get to hear it, Don, because you were there. Um, but Damien did a great job on commentary for the limited time that he was on. Um, it was a nice celebration of hockey. And for a, De- for a Devil fan base that I know, having seen it on Twitter, knowing Harvey Cruz, feels like they get um, disrespected for not having a whole lot of fans. I, I wouldn't say it was 50-50. Uh, they-, they filled out. They filled out MetLife no, probably 70-30 with Devil yeah, fans. And, and that wasn't 18,000. That was more than 18,000. So good on Devil fans no, for showing good. out that they have, a good, they, have a, they have a strong enough fan base to be able to, to play in these games. And obviously, with the uh, the Jonas Brothers and the setup, it, it wasn't exactly the same attendance. But they had over seventy thousand, almost eighty thousand. The thing that blew me away about Saturday, Anthony, talking to some people, and I think they mentioned it on the broadcast as well. There was a ten thousand walk up on Saturday, so they actually sold ten thousand seats day wow. of, um, which was kind of crazy because it, it, it was twenty eight degrees, felt like nineteen. But I think a lot of people were just kind of like, hey, let's let, let's go. This seems like it's really cool. And to check it out. So they have 150,000 people. I don't know how much uh, people will repeat business. I, I think uh, two separate, four different fan bases over two days. That's a pretty good representation of hockey in the New York metropolitan area. We'll obviously be talking about it on the Michael K. Show coming up a little bit later on today. Yesterday, there was obviously the overtime goal. Mm-hmm. That was very hard to call. And only the top people on the planet could possibly get it 100% right. And luckily, we have three of them here on 
Bouncing puck. Panarin has it. Moves to the net. Shoots. The net comes off. Rangers start to celebrate. The officials will get together. Donnie, what did you see? Well, the net was clearly off the moorings, but the ruling could be that if the Islanders were the ones that knocked it off, and the feeling was that it would have gone in had the net stayed on the moorings, there's a very good chance, guys, this can count. Here's the referee, Jake Brink. After review, we have a good goal on the ice. Rangers win 6-5 to in overtime. How about that? Wow, Kenny Albert, listen. Dave Maloney, and of course, the one and only Donnie Pucks. I, I got to tell you, that was one of, if not the greatest broadcasts I've ever been a part of, because there's so many moving parts. First of all, it was a great game. That's always going to dictate how you feel about the broadcast. But I thought Kenny was on top of his game, Dave as well. A lot of what was happening on the ice was at the end where they had me sitting, ice level, when Lindgren took the uh, header into the glass. Uh, the game-winning goal was there. Uh, when the Islanders put together their three consecutive goals, were all on the side where I was. So I felt like I was able to really contribute. We had Woody Johnson on the broadcast. He kind of walked by. I grabbed him and interviewed him uh, in the first intermission. Like the professional uh, you are. It was uh, just a great day and, and a real... A lot of love's got to go out to Ray Santiago, yes. who is the producer of both the Knicks and the Rangers for MSG, and of course works for us at 9870 ESPN New York. He really, really did a great job putting all of that together. So very, very good to feel, very proud to be a part of that broadcast. And thank you, Anthony, for throwing that out there. I had not uh, heard that version of it, so um, looking forward to uh, to talking more about this on the Michael K Show. Back with you again on Wednesday. Want to get in touch with us at Don LaGreca and at Anthony Pusick at hashtag game misconduct. Guys, we'll talk later, all right, man? Yeah, let's do it. All right, back again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.